When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. And today we're talking season six, episode nine, fun and games. More like guilt and punishment. Am I right? Guilt and self-punishment. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm trying. I see where the fun is. The games. I guess the games are the games they were playing with people's lives. The mind games. The life games. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, Alexis, what do you think of this episode? Uh, I I gotta tell you, for six seasons now, we've been waiting for that moment, that like clearly defined moment when Jimmy switches over to Saul Goodman, and we got it here, and now I kind of wish it hadn't happened. <laughs> Take, oh, yeah. take it back. <laughs> Give me my boy. <laughs> yeah. It broke my boy. Yeah, that's the thing. I was on uh, Pete Pepper's uh, live stream last night over on YouTube, and we were talking mm-hmm. about this, how it like it, the stuff that happens in this episode, especially that time jump, just recontextualizes everything about Saul. Yeah. Like, you think Saul is this, you know, buffoon and this fun-loving guy and, like, doesn't have a care in the world turns out he's just living a life that is masking his pain he's just constantly running from his pain 24 7 yeah. turns yeah. out uh so i i think that's brilliant i think the way it they is. did that was just like super smart it it's gonna change how i view breaking bad yeah. i'm sure um it kind of has to mm-hmm. so i don't know what that looks like going mm. back through breaking bad and seeing a man who is pretending to be something that he doesn't feel on the inside i don't know I will say toward the the end episodes, the later episodes of Breaking Bad, I do feel you see a little bit more of that Jimmy character coming through just with Saul. Oh, yeah. Having a lot of sympathy for other characters who are caught in bad situations like Skylar White, like Jesse mm-hmm. Pinkman. Yeah, he's he's not a total buffoon through Breaking Bad, but he is when it starts certainly no yeah he is 100 percent shyster when it starts <laughs> yeah and i guess yeah. i guess now we see why sad yeah super sad um any other like general thoughts about the episode no that's kind of my big thing we there's mm. lots to talk about lots of more lots of more sad stuff to talk oh, yeah. about lots more sad stuff no i thought this was a, a great episode i'm i would be shocked if this isn't the the episode and if the scene that uh kim and jimmy have um ray seahorn and bob odenkirk have where she breaks up with him yeah isn't like the scene and the episode that they submit for the emmy considerations mm-hmm. next year because they're both so good in that scene I, was... i've never seen bob odenkirk do that kind of genuine yeah it, it, he always has like a bit of saul in all of his performance mm-hmm. for me but like that scene really impressed me yeah, it was very, very affecting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff Kudos, changed. Yeah. They did it. They did an amazing job with Kim too. I, 
came into this season going, nothing quite feels right for the end of Kim. Like, yeah. I don't think it's right that she goes to jail. I don't think it's right that she dies. Like, if they're going to, like, break up and not be together, none of that quite feels right. But this, they somehow just nailed this landing with Kim mm-hmm. on a launch pad that I didn't even know was there. Yeah. I mean, that's it's been a big part of her character is that she is the captain of her own ship. Mm-hmm. for better or worse and i do i like that she has this moment at the end of the episode where she is w- willing to admit to herself that she was having too much fun yeah and then it was hurting people yep yeah yeah it's super sad <laughs> it's a little jesse pinkman honestly toward the end of his association with walter white he wants hmm. out specifically because their actions have hurt so many people uh-huh. i was feeling a lot of a lot of echoes from that gotcha watching her try her hardest to get out yeah i hope she did hope she does and then you've got other characters doing very interesting and compelling things too yeah Uh, mike gus i thought that scene with gus is particularly good the bar scene Uh uh-huh yeah um to to the point where i don't know if we ever need to come back to them mike or Mm. gus like they've just left them in, in the place where i can see the path to breaking bad i don't need anymore i don't know what more they would do with gus that would be interesting that would be interesting that's the key point yeah i'm sure there's more stuff they could do but i think you're right i think his part of this part of the story has been told yeah i think so and we know you know when he goes and says hey how long until we can get started on the Mm -hmm. super lab again we know where that ends up so let's just leave him there makes sense we'll see i don't know we still have some gene stuff that we obviously have to do before the yeah. end of the season. Oh, but yeah. What do you think? Do you think there's going to be... You mentioned last week that you were thinking maybe it would be a couple of episodes worth of gene stuff. Do you... I'm this feeling week's even episode, stronger about yeah, that now. That's what I was yeah. wondering. Having jumped forward to 2005, 2008, it's maybe debatable, but I think we're in 2005, which is a mm-hmm. few years before the events of Breaking Bad really kick off. So, yeah, um, yeah they kind of need... They need four more episodes. There are four mm-hmm. more in the season. <laughs> they need to fill that time with something compelling. And I don't see the compelling stuff that they could do either in the Saul timeline um, in 2005 or in the old timeline right. with like Gus and Mike and all that stuff and Kim. Um, so, yeah, some of it, a good chunk of it probably has to be Gene. It has to be, right? Mm-hmm. It's got to be. We're still thinking there are going to be cameos. From yes, Walt and Jesse. Walt and Jesse. We've minimum. heard. Yeah, through the grapevine. Uh, yeah, and now we're close to the timeline where Walt and Jesse would make sense. A lot closer than we were. Um, mm-hmm. We're about at least a year closer. Uh, yeah, that that was going to be one of my questions. I don't know, maybe for later on, but I'm wondering if the time jump at the end of the episode is something that they're going to maintain, or if that was sort of a teaser. If that's like where we are in the show now. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. Like, I I think there's some compelling stuff to do there. There's still this, like, phone call that's going to happen that we're wondering is maybe with Kim. Like, like that scene where Saul tells Francesca, like, hey, there's a phone call. You got to mm. be at this place to answer it at this time. Sure, yeah. Uh, make sure you don't miss it, that kind of thing. And that that's from Breaking Bad, right? Uh, 
or a flash forward in this series. I can't remember, honestly. Ugh, All this stuff timelines. is... Timelines. What even are they? Yeah, it's bleeding together for me. It's been a while since I saw Breaking Bad, but... It's been too recently since I saw Breaking Bad. Oh, that's right. <laughs> It's all time you want me. Well, then you tell me. I don't know. <laughs> was it in Breaking Bad? <laughs> I thought it was, but the look you just gave me is making me second guess myself. No, you might be right. Um, I really don't know. I don't remember. Don't remember either. There was a lot of panic in Saul's office toward the end of Breaking Bad. Yeah. Him trying to GTFO. And that would be, you know, a few years on from where I think we are currently, um, where we pick up with Saul again. Yeah. So. I mean, the whole the whole stuff with Walt in Breaking Bad was a year. It was only a mm-hmm. year. Yeah, <laughs> I th- I think there's um a, a date on the license plate when you see the lawyer up mm-hmm. license plate mm-hmm. at the end uh, with after the flash forward it says like 2005. Yeah, that was when it expired. So yeah, it's probably like three years before the Walt stuff because that all happened in 2008. I'm right that it was just one year, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh-huh. He got his cancer diagnosis on his birthday, and then a year yep. later, he's. A wild man. <laughs> arranging his bacon. Yes. Alone. By himself. Mm-hmm. Arranging his own bacon. Yep. You hate to see it. At least it wasn't Band-Aid bacon. That's true. It didn't smell like Band-Aids. Yeah. Just cut that going for it. Anyway. That has nothing to do with anything. Ready it doesn't. Move? This is On? a fantastic ending yeah. for Kim if it is in fact her ending. I, I do wonder if she'll be back a little bit. Yeah. Is that going to be Is that going to be her last scene in the show? It's possible. Man, but all right. I don't know. I'm leaning toward Seems no. Seems inconclusive, but because we know that she's leaving, but like we don't know where she's going. Right. She's such an important character. You can't just like let her loose in the wild and not say what she's doing, right? I don't know. Something about that tape sound sounded mm. very final to me. It sounded mm. very like this is how we could leave this. Sure. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, the, the the stuff about Howard too, man. <sighs> Yeah. That scene with Cheryl, I just, <laughs> I don't know. We could talk about it when we get there. I don't want to talk about every scene before we get to the recap, but All right. man, there's so many good ones. This is a great episode of Better Call Saul. It was a really good episode. Super I'm sad. Really good. Interested to see what they do from here on out. Yeah. Because I don't they, have really any clue. Where do we go from here? Exactly. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints. Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, (laughs) now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. 
Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Well, let's see. Uh, this week, no teaser. Instead, we're treated to a montage of Mike, Kim, and Jimmy trying to work like usual. Just trying to hmm. go about their day. Yeah, it's a week of no teasers. They didn't have one on Westworld either, hmm. which I thought was strange. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I was all psyched. I was like, all right, let's see their normal day, mm-hmm. right? Mike prepped them and discussed to just be totally normal, and they're actually not bad at it. Yeah. I was surprised how well they did. For one day, yes. <laughs> they held it together for one day. <laughs> yeah. And we see Mike, you know, at their house cleaning everything up. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if they told him about their Howard dream board or if he found it and was just like, we need to clean this up. Uh, probably. He's pretty thorough. I tell you, I yeah. wish, I wish he'd cleaned our houses. <laughs> we went to sell them. That would have been nice. Uh-huh. <laughs> nice and thorough. I bet he wouldn't have complained about the vents. He would have had a shop back strong enough to clean out the vents. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. This means nothing to any of you, but it means a lot to Jim and I. Yeah, so we see Mike cleaning up Howard. Disgusting. Sad. Mm -hmm. We see Kim with her clients fighting for pro bono cases. We see Jimmy with his clients. Yeah. And this is a... All this is set to a very Very sad version of the Jimmy and Kim theme song. It is a much more... It's very somber. Exactly. Very slow. It's the same key, but it's slower for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I I liked the shot of Mike burning evidence in a barrel because all I can think of is, man, your your barrel technique is going to get so much better <laughs> oh, <laughs> in a yeah. few years. You just start using hydrochloric acid instead of fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, much more effective. Less evidence, probably. Probably. And at the end of this montage. We see the first time in this episode, which it happens many times, Jimmy trying very hard to rationalize their pain and guilt away, his and Kim's pain and guilt. Yeah, it's the line from the teaser at the end of last episode. It is. Um, He says, you know, we'll wake up one day and realize we haven't thought about it at all and we'll know we can forget. Uh, Yeah. And that doesn't seem to be the case. This is the line. This is the line between Kim and Jimmy is that she is not willing to let herself off that easy. Well, and I mean, Jimmy, if you look at the stuff that he's retained from his old life, right? He's still holding on to all that stuff. He Mm -hmm. hasn't forgotten. I mean, he's got that Zafiro on Yeho. It's true, but he can, there's like a a level of dissociation of lying to himself that he can do that it seems like Kim is just not capable of. Yeah. Yeah. He's better at ignoring it or or burying it. (laughs) 
deep in his heart. <laughs> Distracting himself from it, yeah. I guess, is what he's doing. Just like keeping him, keeping all of his brain cells occupied to the point where he can't, he doesn't have time to think about it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll get to that. I was wondering if they could continue to live in that apartment. And of course, no, they go to the hotel for the night. That makes sense. Of course, yeah. Who would who would want to keep living in the apartment, period? <laughs> right. No, thanks. I tell you, like the first time Lalo came in there, I would maybe be looking to switch my lease, but... Yeah. Whatever. In the next scene, we cut to Gus arriving at Don Eladio's compound at night. Don Hector formally accuses Gus, but Lalo's sneakiness screws them all over in the end. The first thing I noticed in this scene is Gus, you know, he may be a criminal mm-hmm. drug lord. He, he may be a king of the underworld and a murderer and uh, causing all kinds of societal damage. But at least he uses his turn signal on the completely empty road. That's the number one thing I noticed in this scene. All his other sins are forgiven. It's a man after my own heart. I would do that shit, too. I do do that shit. <laughs> I do, too. Just in case there's somebody I don't see. You never know. You never know. How much effort does it really take? Yeah. It becomes second nature at some point. Like when I'm turning the wheel this way, my hand just hits it that way when I... Totally. Yeah. And of course, Gus does that, right? Of course he does. He's studious. extremely by the book. He doesn't want to break a single law other than the big ones. Yeah. (laughs) Even though he's legitimately, he's turning into the driveway of the drug kingpin, right? So like if there's ever a place where you don't need to use your turn signal, that's it. probably there, but still, I I respect it. I do too. I do too. I thought for a minute that you were going to talk about the overhead shot of all the cars part in a row. Oh, that's cool. And now yeah. his was by far the shittiest. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> or not the shittiest, that's the wrong word, but the, the most low-key. Yeah, it's a nice car, but it's very plain. Yeah. Um, nondescript. It's very, very much like us. Yeah. Like wealthy, put together, but not ostentatious. Just the right, just the right amount of flashy. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that he had to pretend he hadn't been shot because <laughs> that would have been suspicious. Yeah, yeah. He was getting frisked and he was definitely wincing while that was happening. Yeah. I noticed that too. And I wonder that when he, you know, clearly assumed the position, I was like, oh boy, this is going to be tough. Yeah. Do you, you think that Donald Audio doesn't like totally buy it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because he... Throughout the course of the scene, after Hector makes his uh, his nonverbal accusation, <laughs> I can only imagine how long it took right. to dictate that message. Dang. And he calls him Chicken Man, which is so many more letters than just like Gustavo. <laughs> right, or Gus. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. I'm so glad he brought a prepared <laughs> statement because that scene would have been tedious. Oh, it was bad enough the couple of times that it happened in the nursing home. Yeah. Right. Bar. Um. So, yeah, right after that, Don Eladio goes through one by one and says, okay, Lala's body, the teeth matched, mm-hmm. it was burned. What what can I do here, basically? Yeah. I mean, I think he's suspicious. Definitely suspicious. He tells everyone him, involved. He tells him afterward that he... Don Hector says, the Gus has hate in his eyes when he looks at the Salamancas. And at the end of the scene, Donald Audio looks at Gus and says, I see hate in your eyes. <laughs> uh-huh. But a little bit's okay. Yeah, a little bit's okay. A little bit's manageable. Yeah. Just don't, don't forget know. his boss, Barf. 
Yeah, it, it makes it does make me wonder though why Eladio doesn't suspect Gus more in Breaking Bad. Yeah, every wrinkle they add to this story makes me think these people should have been less oblivious um, to the threat of Gus because mm-hmm. once Juan Bolsa is taken out by the Federales or whoever it is that, that eventually takes him down. That should be a huge Eladio should be going, wait, wait. I just appointed this guy boss over Gus. Mm -hmm. And now Gus, and now he's out of the way too, like leaving only Gus behind. That's interesting. Right. Boy, isn't that convenient. I agree. I don't know. It seems kind of like he doesn't actually want to be involved yeah, he just wants that the stuff money too much. He just wants the money, and as long pool. as everything is like, yeah, maintain the status quo. As long as everything is running yeah. more or less smoothly, I don't know that he actually cares who is doing it. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing; it has to be running smoothly. You're right. No, and if Gus wasn't his biggest earner, he probably wouldn't get the benefit of the doubt. I think kidding. so. Yeah, for sure. There's also the fact that <laughs> he knows that Hector killed his business partner slash boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So. A little bit of hatred is allowed. Sure. Certainly. Yeah. You got to expect it. Yeah. It's not like you're going to, it's not like you're going to like somebody who does that to you. No, probably not. <laughs> uh, what I did like is Don Eladio's Hector impression. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff he's doing with his mouth. It's so mean. It's so mean. Yeah. But it's, it, it wouldn't be funny if you're doing this to someone in real life, obviously. Yeah. But there is a very particular way in which uh, I can't think of his name. The, the the dude from Scarface who's playing Hector moves his mouth when he's doing this. He does. There's some gumming involved. Th- so yeah. much gumming, and it's such <laughs> such a trademark that to have him do this impression is just perfect. It was perfect. I did enjoy seeing that. Yeah, it's not <laughs> just adding more enrichment to the Breaking Bad verse. Mm-hmm. I like it. And I like Gus's response to the accusation. Like, the non-response is the best response here. Yeah. What else is he going to say? Say too much, say too little. Yeah. Let them just observe the facts as they stand and see what their conclusion is. Right. See what they want to do from there because if they don't have cold, hard evidence, can't really do anything without retribution. Yeah, and the, the... evidence all points the other direction right that it wasn't mm-hmm. Gus so like what you're gonna you're gonna go against everything that you actually know about this and kill your best earner right I don't think so exactly that's the thing it all, it all goes back to that yeah he's the one bringing in the money so he gets the benefit of the doubt so we follow Gus as he goes home and goes back to business as usual he wants the Super Lab project to get going again and Mike's a little disgusted by that, I think. Oh, Definitely yeah? gives him the stink eye as he's walking away at the end of this bit of the scene. I think he was surprised. I'm not, hmm. sure, I'm not sure he's disgusted. I would say he was surprised that Gus just immediately wanted to jump back in. Because hmm. if, if I'm Mike, I'm thinking, well, is Hector going to stop now or is Hector just going to get angrier and take matters into his own hands? Sure. I, yeah. I don't know why Hector would stop coming after him. And he's still got two deadly assassins. He still has the cousins, yeah. They're still around at this point. Right. So, I don't know. It. I love the scenes with Gus, but I do feel like Gus is celebrating a little prematurely here. Yeah. Like if, if all of them had gotten taken out, sure. But, yeah, I, I would still be worried. I would, too. Hector's a spiteful little shit. Yeah. And I think Mike knows that, and Mike 
recognizes that it's not super safe to start back up on the super lab thing. Gotcha. I didn't thought about it from that angle. I was thinking more from the angle that he knows now that at least one semi-innocent person <laughs> has just been buried that in that too. lab. And now yeah. you're saying, well, let's continue with the construction right over those corpses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, Great. you're right about that. Great. Cool. <laughs> Sure. I think he's I think he's hating his job at this point a little bit. He just spent all day cleaning up lawyer goo. Yeah. Now but this. There's there's also only so much that they can do to get Gus out of the hot water here, right? Cuz yeah. Breaking Bad has to happen. Right. And you can't kill Hector. Mm-hmm. Can't kill either of the cousins. So They have to still be a threat. Right. Which means you can't actually deal with the full threat here. So, but yeah. you still want Gus to have a moment, right? He's mm-hmm. he's had a victory here, right? Don Eladio bought the story. He's killed the guy who was trying to kill him. Yeah, it's a victory, and I I love seeing him. You know, just breathe easy, open the windows. He doesn't <laughs> have to hide anymore in his own house yeah. or in his neighbor's house through right. the tunnel. Uh, but yeah, it did ring a little bit. Uh, premature to me. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. My, pardon my language, but my butt would still absolutely be sucking air at this point. Yeah. And I think that's why I feel like they're just going to leave Gus there and not come back to him. Yeah. Because it felt like, well, we got to get this moment in in with him Mm -hmm. to see that he is a human being because this is our absolute last opportunity. Sure. And yes, it doesn't quite make perfect sense, but it'll, it'll be good enough that we can overlook that. Yeah, so the the rest of this scene, actually, it's kind of a, I don't know, this count as multiple scenes? Sure, it's a different setting. We're going to follow Gus again to an upscale bar where he flirts with a cameriere, drinks good wine, and a eventually... What, a, a what? The cameriere? A, a what? <laughs> the, the fancy waiter. Fancy waiter? Yeah. I've never heard that word before. It's Italian. Sorry. Oh, I've heard sommelier, which is French. Oh, uh, yeah. That's that's a wine. A uh, wine, a wine waiter. <laughs> essentially, yeah, a wine waiter. A wine that advisor. Have, you know what? That might have been the word that I was looking for in my brain, but I've been studying Italian, so I just went with. Oh boy. Waiter, I'm such a pretentious prick. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> so he flirts with the waiter. He drinks good wine, mm-hmm. and eventually he remembers that he's a drug kingpin, and bails. <laughs> yeah. I love the scene. It's a good scene. It's it's a very better call Saul scene. It's and if you don't like for sure. <laughs> to, if you don't like the indulgence of better call Saul, I suggest fast forwarding about three and a half minutes. I have in my notes here. It's kind of a long scene. <laughs> it is. And it's doing exactly one thing, which is to tell you Gus will never be a a normal person. Yeah. He can't be. He can't let himself be. No. And it all comes back to I think it all comes back to Max. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think what happens here is he recognizes, yeah, I'm I'm letting my guard down. A, mm-hmm. um, this war is only half over, right? The yeah. Hector's still out there. The cousins are still out there. Yep. I think he's recognizing that now, but also he's remembering Max and yeah. the anger that he has, the revenge he still needs to get, right? And and not just the revenge, but like what happened to his last lover. That's what I was going to say. What happened to the last person that he let get close to him? Right. They got killed. 
Yeah, exactly. So he's kind of doing a Kim here, right? Like, Mm -hmm. look, uh, me and anybody else is poison. So I'm just going to have to shut this down. Uh, Yeah, it's it's sad in a way. If you like Gus, I think it's very sad. It is sad. They were definitely connecting. Seem to have at least one interesting moment. Yeah, I think they liked each other quite a bit. Yeah, but he just can't let it can't let it happen. Nope. Sad. Mm Hmm. Yet another sad bit to add to the sad pile. I went and looked up all this wine that they were talking about. You did Cobra tea and Renee Rostan Rostan or Stan. Oh, well, Stan, I, so I don't know how to say it. Yeah. Lalandon. I looked it all up. Dressler von, Gugal, Gugal. What about I don't know it? How say it? You looked it up, but what did you learn? Prices. Oh, prices. Yeah, right. seeing Tell how much me. Gus is spending on his wine. Uh, that nineteen uh, nineteen seventy eight Coro tea. Mm-hmm. That Lalandon stuff is twelve hundred dollars. Yikes! For a bottle of that, and I I think that's the bottle he bought after they had their conversation the first time. Mm. Um, this. Guigal, I don't, or Guigal, I don't know how you say it. <laughs> I forget what they said. Uh, that was actually a lot cheaper. You can get that for less than six. Still, it makes sense that he would leave so many hundred dollar bills on the counter when he mm-hmm. left. Just a glass of that. It's probably a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, and you can get the the more modern vintages of that stuff for like a hundred and fifty bucks, hundred and sixty. It's not so bad. Yeah, sure. Something that hasn't been in a cellar for decades. It's more than I've ever spent on wine, but <laughs> not more than I ever could spend on wine. $1,200, no mm, way. Yeah, no. That's I, insane. But. Bless you to the people who can make that work for themselves. Sure. But it's not me. It's not me either. All right. Now, we're going to be looking at a different old man face. <laughs> uh, Mike gets home and puts his tools away. After a few PBRs, he drives to Mr. Varga's shop to let him know about Nacho. And Varga more or less tells him to go suck an egg. In much better Spanish words. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's some some really beautiful shots in this show and in mm-hmm. this episode even. My favorite one in the whole episode is probably the shot of Nacho's dad um, sewing, and you can see a car in the foreground, and his overhead lights are reflecting off the hood, mm-hmm. and then that double image is reflecting off the windshield, and it's like this infinity mirror yeah, kind of look. That was cool. uh, it's super cool. Like I, I don't even know how, how you realize that that shot can be had in that <laughs> setting, Yeah, but kudos to the director on that. That's very good. Definitely. I also, it's just nice to see uh, men doing things that are normally assigned to women. I like seeing a man behind a sewing machine. It's pretty cool. Respect. Sure. He's working the midnight oil too. That's what you say, right? Sure is, yeah. Working that oil. It's the middle of the damn night. (laughs) And there was, speaking of shots that are really cool and interesting and effective in this episode, I... Didn't actually catch this myself, but I did see when I was skipping through Reddit, someone else saw uh, Mike and Mr. Varga on a Senor Varga, pardon, Mm. on either side of the fence. And it kind of looks like Mike is the one who's in a cage Mm -hmm. instead of Mr. Varga. Nice touch. Yeah, especially with, you know, what he's saying, uh, revenge, right, is a, it can be a cage, can be a prison, um, 
when you're dead set on it. And I, I think the line that is ringing in my head this entire scene is that that Salamanca thing of sangre por sangre, yeah, blood for blood. It's you know wh- where does it end, right? Is what mm-hmm. is what he says. Like they take one of yours, you take theirs. Um, what they he's describing here back. is blood yeah. for blood. You it know? is exactly and. And and if he thought he was better than Hector somehow, I think Natra's dad just told him otherwise. Told him he was a gangster. All you gangsters are the same. Mm-hmm. Care about one thing, and that's just getting yours. That doesn't yeah. make you any better than anybody else. I mean, you're following yeah, your code, the same. Like, yeah. What does that mean if you're still killing people for revenge and money? Yeah. Sure. You're just the same. Just because you might have like a slightly stronger moral base, you're still doing the work. So, right. Sorry, bud. You <laughs> suck. Yep. Walk away. And hopefully that's the last time we see him, I uh, hope so. Nacho's dad, because otherwise him. he's probably getting killed. Probably. No, no other reason <laughs> to see him again. That's true. But luckily, it's not like he. It's not like he knows anything. He has no, no value to the cartel other than his business, but Hector's not really in a... He's not intimidating anymore, shall we say. Well, and he's been, I think, cut off from Gus's territory by Eladio, right? He says, you yeah, get the South Valley. I, I don't know exactly what the South Valley means, what it is, um, but I get the impression that Hector was trying to move in on Gus's territory yeah. using... You know the upholstery shop, mm-hmm. um, so that's at an end. I would say put the kibosh on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I did. I did forget that in that scene at Eladio's compound before. That was the ground rules that they set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm with you. I hope that we never see that man again, and that he lives a sad but long life. Sure. I don't know if that's better, but <laughs> what are you going to do? Just Moving like on. <laughs> Jimmy. Ugh, yeah. Speaking of Jimmy, in the next scene, Kim and Jimmy arrive at HHM for Howard's memorial, where they learn HHM is over, basically, and they get the third degree from Cheryl Hamlin. Afterward, they share a kiss that says a thousand words. Yes, uh man what a good scene mm-hmm. it's not as good as the upcoming one but it's still very good um it's the last moment of kim being a real bastard yeah i i recognized going into this scene as soon as they they saw the hhm office um i was like oh both partners are dead now yeah yeah hhm done it's they're downsizing they're moving to a different building changing the name yep it's it is not hhm anymore no it's gone. Here's my number one question. So they chat a little bit, you know, with Schweikert, and then they go up the stairs to talk to Cheryl. They set their waters down on the banister, on the corner of the banister, and mm-hmm. they make a conspicuous show of it. Like, they take they take <laughs> yeah. three, four seconds to show them setting their waters next to each other. Next to what I think might be like a teacup or a, a coffee cup or something. Mm-hmm. Is that supposed to remind us of the scene where Howard makes her coffee and she, this, you know, this fancy cappuccino, she dumps it into her mug and he's drinking tea? Or is it reminding us that they, like, poisoned him with caffeine or, yeah, I don't know. 
I have no idea why that shot is in there. It's so conspicuous. It's so conspicuous. I was waiting. In the scene, as best I can tell. Exactly. I was waiting for it to come back. Yeah. Later on in that scene, and it was just, it was nothing. No, never comes back as far as I can tell. So I don't know if anybody has an idea on what (laughs) that scene meant. Please write in and let us know. BCS. Ballmove.com. Because, yeah, no idea. No idea. No idea. I love how many photos they stole from um shit what's his name cliff patrick fabian from Howard. his instagram oh did they <laughs> for just the memorial pictures yeah perfect also how like almost i would say 90 percent of the photos that were there were huge and they were all selfies it's like yeah. did he invent the selfie all of a sudden i don't know i'm trying to remember how early people were taking selfies was it 2003 2004 probably uh, selfies around when I was pretty in high school. Close to that, I, I feel yeah. like. I feel like the selfie really came into its own with smartphones. For sure, yeah. Where you could see that selfie on a nice big screen right away after yeah. you took it. And that would have been post two thousand seven is when the first exactly. iPhone came out. So yeah, before that, the hottest thing was <laughs> blackberries and razors. Yeah, oh, we sound like real old fucks right now. <laughs> Not even that old. Uh. Yes, I love also how identical all of his expressions are in those. Like just, <laughs> yeah, just a big I, toothy grin. Look, I know you're not going to show the pictures of him sad and distraught right. and like bummed out or angry. Like none of that stuff is going to make it to the funeral photos, but they're just so identical. His smile and every single yes. one is making the same face. He sure is. And and this is a man who supposedly committed suicide recently looking so happy so happy so full of life and zeal and zest Mm -hmm. getting his shit together it was all namaste and he killed himself you hate to see it uh you oh man you want to talk about this lie this very sharp risky lie that kim tells yeah at the end of the scene uh, it starts with Jimmy, right? He tries to mm-hmm. tell the lie that they've come up with, and she's just not buying it. I, I feel to like Cheryl, yeah, he, he is very good at goosing the truth, and this works on people who are less intelligent, I think. Yeah, but but the the people who are really perceptive just don't buy his stories. They they think he's a shyster, right? The Kettleman's Miss mm-hmm. Kettleman Miss Kettleman takes one look at him exactly. and goes, "This guy's full of shit. Yep. I don't believe anything he says. Don't even give him a chance," which is the way to go it's the right it's the right play yeah Yeah. um and cheryl does the same thing here this would work in most scenarios because i feel like he's he's throwing in a little bit of truth right Mm -hmm. sprinkling in the like jealousy about howard having his brother's respect i think that is definitely in there i think that and i think that's true also yes it's a real moment even though it is being used in service of a lie right but it doesn't work on cheryl she's too perceptive too intelligent and it takes kim the maybe most perceptive and intelligent person in the room mm-hmm. to just cut her deep yeah. to, to make her back down on this. She makes up that story about seeing Howard snoring something late at night. Mm-hmm. And then she says that the, the killer line is you, you would know you're his wife. You would know, right? right? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? <laughs> it's not like he was sleeping in your guest house or anything, you bitch. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> no, I mean their their marital state at that point is is played into there. Yeah, um, her guilt probably. I'm sure, even right, though she's putting that, up a tough front, you know, she feels guilty. Yeah, that she even even a guilt that like she didn't see it, right? Yeah, exactly. Like I I just I honestly didn't notice, and she mm-hmm. feels so bad about that. Um, and it's probably because they weren't talking much, and like she was ignoring him there toward the end. So like, yeah, I, I think it's it's exactly what needed to be said. But it's absolutely brutal. It is brutal. It is a very sharp barb. And maybe one of the last ones that she's going to throw on the show. Mm-hmm. In service of trying to pull her and Kim, her and Kimmy, her and Jimmy's asses out of the fire once again. Yeah. And Cliff is not willing to say what he knows, but he's not willing to say that he doesn't know anything either. Yeah. And that's. That plays it, it over so, the edge. Yeah, middle of the road. Ugh. Yeah, and I think Kim knows that he won't say anything in that moment, but he won't lie either. Yeah, he's too honest and he's too polite to to make any other choice here. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you say the things that he knows at a memorial service when this woman still has to like greet other people yeah. and accept their condolences. And all that shit. Yeah, it was very, it was tactful. A little weaselly, but also tactful of Mm -hmm. him. And then they, they leave, finally, the memorial service. And they have that very sad kiss in the parking lot. And Kim drives away. Yeah, this is what I was thinking of as the Fredo kiss. If you've seen (laughs) The Godfather, the the Fredo kiss is essentially like, I know what you did. Mm -hmm. um, And this is the end of things. I still care about you as a person. Yep. I still love you, but also... But I got to do what I got to do. I got to do what I got to do. Yup. Yeah. Good comparison. So sad. So sad. Mm-hmm. Ready to move on? And she effectively does kill him. I think she kills Jimmy in this next scene. Not the very next scene. She's talking with a lawyer in the next scene, but or with, <laughs> with the... Yeah, judge, the, but the last scene. The their last scene, right scene together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she effectively kills Jimmy. Jimmy McGill. Now it's yeah. just Saul Goodman, uh, as as seen in the flash forward. Yeah, it's rough. Um. So after after this memorial service, we follow Kim to court, where she withdraws from the case that she's hearing or that she's part of, on account of no longer being an attorney. Good reason to withdraw. Pretty good. Yeah, Later. the judge has no no comeback for that. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Make her keep doing it? You can't. Legally. Uh, Later, she meets Jimmy at home, or he tries to talk her out of it. But it's too late. She's packing her bags. Yeah. So, I think this is interesting from the perspective of like why why is kim making the choices she's making in the order she's making them you know this kiss giving up her law license um and then telling jimmy and going and breaking up with him uh and i think it's for a very good reason because i think she is susceptible to jimmy's powers of persuasion definitely and if she hasn't made it too late to turn back already by mm-hmm. telling the bar uh, I, I'm no longer an attorney and giving up her license before she talks to Jimmy about this. Yeah. I think she's afraid that Jimmy will convince her not to do it. Probably. It was a good move on her part. 
Yeah, it's super shocking. Like when she says, because I'm no longer an attorney. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yep. I, I figured you were probably <laughs> going to give up the life, but not your your entire license. life. Yeah. yeah. Not, like not change who you are in that regard, but. Yeah. What she does, does she even have if she doesn't have the law? It's been her entire thing for like two decades or yeah, something like that. Yeah, she's going to have to start over and build herself up again from from nothing which might be exactly what she wants yeah uh and and to you know go back briefly to that like idea that jimmy might talk her out of it if she doesn't do this before she talks with him um jimmy says what's done can be undone and i like that line because that's not true here right they can't bring back howard Mm -hmm. they can't uh just wave a wand and make her a lawyer again uh, this this is uh, event horizon for her. She can't go back. Yeah, and I think that was important to her. Definitely, she she made the decision. She told herself, like you said, she was not going to be swayed by his words, and you can see on her face uh, during this scene that she is not angry at him specifically. Oh no, mm-hmm. she if anything feels bad for him. And is maybe a tiny bit scared of the yelling. <laughs> oh. Okay. Scared is maybe the wrong word, but like, you know, cautious. Because mm-hmm. he, when Jimmy spirals, he can really spiral. Sure. And, and he can say some hurtful things too when well, he's spiraling. Like, like she says, right? Is she, the reason she didn't tell him about Lalo is because he would have spiraled and gone gone into Jimmy mode and then mm-hmm. called off the, the con and yeah. she would have broken up with him because of it and because she just enjoyed the fun of it. Yeah, and here they end up broken up anyway. Good job. Yeah, and that's a true tragedy, right? Is like they could have gotten to this place earlier and Kim lays out the scenario in which that happens mm-hmm. before Howard dies. Yeah. But they kept going with it. She kept going with it specifically and now Howard's dead. So Arguably, it wouldn't have been as bad if Howard hadn't died. <laughs> no. It could have been a... There, there could have been, there could have been some reconciliation there still, maybe potentially. But the death of Howard and how they have had to cover it up, it was the last straw. Yeah, I think until Howard's death, there was always the idea of like, well, how bad are the things we're doing really? Right? Like they right. always dissembled when it came to like, well, we, you know, we didn't. We dent Howard's reputation a little bit. He can withstand it. He's a mm-hmm. big boy. Everybody respects him anyway. Right. He'll he'll get over it, right? And it'll be fun for us, and we'll mm-hmm. get a little bit of revenge, uh, and get the thing we want, which is going to help people. Right. And that's always her thing: is like I want to help people. Um, but it turns out her thing was always I want to have fun. Yeah. It, but, but it's it's. I think there's a lot of mixed emotion in that, right? There's mm-hmm. she wants to have fun and she loves conning with Jimmy, but she also does want to genuinely help people, I think. So like those two forces it looked like those two forces could combine and they could get everything they wanted, but it just turned out the exact opposite. Those two forces became what she says poison. Yeah. No, I if they didn't have the element of the cartel Maybe things would have gone differently, but mm-hmm. the the water was already tainted at that point. Yeah. And she knew the whole time. She knew that Lala was still around. Yeah. And she I was, was just having too much fun. Yeah. I was kind of curious uh, to see 
what Jimmy's Jimmy's reaction to that revelation would be and ended up not actually being that strong, but I'm sure the fact that she's literally leaving him kind of supersedes mm-hmm. everything. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, it's it's tragic because he got her into this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he got her started conning people. She didn't really want to do it. Yeah. Felt it was weird and wrong. Mm-hmm. Super um, super gray, legally speaking. Sure. Yeah. And then by the end of it, she was the one keeping him in it. You know, she, he he didn't really want to con Howard. Do you remember how upset she was that he fabricated evidence yeah. involving a man sitting on pies? The squat cobbler? The yeah. squat cobbler, yes. <laughs> totally. She was so upset, and then and then it got to hear. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I think this ending for Kim, assuming it's an ending, and maybe we have like one more scene with him mm-hmm. to cap it, and that'd be fine. It wouldn't change this. But th- why this is so perfect to me is because none of those other options fell right. I think everybody had had figured out like, okay, what are the what are the things that could happen here with Kim? She could die, she could go to jail, what she could are leave the, him. The outside forces that could affect her. Right. And yeah. nobody was looking inside. Right. Inside Kim and, and understanding her in the way and I'm guilty of this too. I, I have at times been confused by Kim's actions. Yeah. Like when she says, you know, we could double down and get married. Mm-hmm. Um that to me was <laughs> insane. And I, I had started coming around on that a little bit, but this really puts it in perspective. Yeah. She was having so much fun doing this and she thought she could get away with it and get everything else she wanted to. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the perfect ending for Kim. It, it it makes so much sense for her as a character. It does. And and it feels like final it, it, in the way that like killing her or sending her to prison would, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she takes agency over her own mistakes yeah essentially absolutely but you could say okay well but legally she probably should have like gone to jail or something but eh, fine but also this is this is breaking bad this is better call Saul. like that doesn't always happen (laughs) people don't always get their their legal just desserts yeah you just have to be okay with that i also love um you know the idea that that Kim, by not telling Jimmy about Lalo, thought he uh, she was protecting him. Mm-hmm. And, and I think about all the times that Jimmy thought he was protecting Kim and just made things worse, right? Like, oh, I'm going to get you out yeah. of the the dungeon or whatever, the cornfields, whatever they called mm-hmm. it, uh, <laughs> over at HHM. After he got her into the situation in the first place. Yeah. And then he does, tries to do something to get her out of it and it just digs her in deeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I felt like with this stuff, you know? Um, she's saying like, I tried to protect you. I thought I was protecting you. She's exactly what he thought he was doing earlier. And it just made things worse. Yep. Withholding, uh, opinions, withholding information of any kind. When you are this close to somebody else, like take it from me, folks, just don't do it. (laughs) Just like be as straight as you can, even if it's a little painful sometimes, because it is so much better. Than letting resentments and lies and stuff just fester inside of you. Oh, yeah. It feels so much worse over time. And then it just destroys the relationship. Mm -hmm. Dumb. Don't do it. As it did here. Yeah. Um, The last thing I wanted to say is this packing tape sound. I really love this packing tape sound. Yeah. It, Like I said, with, you know, this feeling final, this packing tape sound feels extra final to me. Yeah. 
That's fair. like I, I didn't need anymore, right? And when we flash forward, I'm like, yeah, that's the perfect tone to flash forward on. Yeah, she she is leaving for sure, 100. percent And then we flash forward. You ready to talk about that? I love it. Uh, I right. love it. <laughs> the final scene has us waking up next to Jimmy and a sex worker in the Saul Goodman house. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Time jump. He is in Saul mode from the moment he rolls out of bed, <laughs> literally with his ass out and everything. It seems like the Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad timelines are starting to meet up. Ass out? <laughs> uh, Bluetooth in? I don't know. Yeah. I love how nude for so long he is here. <laughs> And the entire time that? he's chatting away. Yeah, it's just hilarious. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry, Mr. Odenkirk, but you being naked is very funny. A lot of things you do are very funny. Every um, time we have a nudity a warning and Better Call Saul, you know it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, th- putting that Bluetooth in immediately and getting in the shower with it. Yes. And it's hilarious. Um, everything in this scene is hilarious, but... It's just like covered, smothered in this sadness, right? With the context, now that we have, like yes. you were saying at the beginning, so much context of this character, seeing him go about this this morning, this day, you just know he is burying himself in work. He is filling his head with other voices so he doesn't have to listen to the voice inside of his own head. Yeah, you you look at, I mean, he, he wakes up, there's someone there with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he puts that Bluetooth in right away, gets on the phone with somebody. Um, he He's in it, he's in the phone or on the phone in the shower. Yeah. He goes into work and he just rolls right into his office, mm-hmm. sits down, turns around and says, halls of justice are open, baby. Yeah. And takes case after case after case after case all day probably then goes home with another sex worker and mm-hmm. does the whole thing over again so that he won't have to be alone with his own thoughts for a second this is what this is the shit that people had to do before podcasts you people <laughs> should be so grateful we know your secrets and we're here to help <laughs> don't think about your secrets don't think about your troubles don't think about your troubles. Just listen to us. We're having fun together. We're having a conversation because you can't have one right now because you're lonely. Oh, God. Lonely. No, no, no. We're going too dark. Happy times. Yes. No, that's exactly what he's doing. He's shutting He's shutting his mind off. Yeah. And just like, yeah, he's distracting himself. Yep from the pain and man it's extra painful too he's got this um it's weird how he does all this stuff he jumps through all of these hoops to distract himself from the thought of kim Mm -hmm. and yet here he is with the world's greatest lawyer mug which if you remember he had that world's second greatest lawyer uh carafe or not carafe thermos thermos yeah uh they got shot and thrown away by kim Mm -hmm. which kim gave him right and Mm -hmm. The implication was first best lawyer in the world is her. Obviously, yeah. So, so the now world's she's greatest no lawyer, lawyer. Yeah. Right. It's just a reminder that it like is. all this stuff happened with Kim. He yeah. keeps the Zafiro Añejo cap mm-hmm. uh, that we saw in the season opener. It, th- there's so much he's doing to stay away from these thoughts. And yet, at the same time, he keeps around these mementos. At the same time, he is a very sentimental person. He still has that ring from his uh, from, old, from his yeah. old con buddy. Marco, yeah. Died in the street, yeah. Right. 
Yeah, he is very sentimental, but he's... I, I don't know. I, I have no idea what Saul would say if you asked him the, the question, right? Like, Why do you still have this? Yeah, why, why do you... You know, this seems to remind you of Kim. Why do you still have it? Yeah. Probably the real answer would be something like, I want to forget, but I don't actually want to forget. Yeah. Yeah. I want to still... He still loves her. He yeah. just can't think about her. I want to still... I want to still have these moments when I'm super drunk and or high when I open a drawer and I see this thing and I remember, oh yeah, that's right. I was kind of a piece of shit. I still am kind of a piece of shit and I have a lot to I wonder answer if it's, for. Is it holding on to hope too that mm-hmm. maybe someday in the future? Like, cause you know, you can distract yourself in the moment and not think about it and still hold on to a hope like low level Sure. that like something could happen. She could come back in the future and they get together or whatever. Yeah. Feels like that could be part of it. Like it could the be part of it. Hope. Yeah. I, I would feel more strongly about that one way or the other if I knew where Kim was right now. Sure. I don't know if that's actually a question that we are going to have answered or not, or if that's just, yeah. if the packing tape was the last of it. I think it is. Oh, rough. I knew he had to be talking to Francesca on the phone when his commercial came up, came yeah. on and he said, shut up, yeah. shut up. Because <laughs> that's the only person he would disrespect that much. That blatantly, yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> Other than one of his clients. He would I, probably talk to one of his clients that way. Yeah, yeah, probably. One of the masturbators, one of the many public <laughs> masturbators he has to deal with, this string of public masturbators, one of them maybe mistaken for Badger, you can say. Yeah, that's the thing. People are trying to connect this. I'm not sure it connects. I'm not... I'm not sure the timelines line up. Um, it's more of an Easter egg kind of, like a little hint, a little wink. Right. At your knowledge. And that would have been like later down the road too, a few years later mm-hmm. than we think this timeline is in 2005, but I'm not sure. Uh, another thing I love is him parking in the handicapped spot when presumably <laughs> a lot of the people who come to his office would be injured yeah. and might need that spot. Yeah. Asshole. It also, it is the only handicapped spot and the next available spot is right next to it. It's like five feet right. further from the door. Yeah. You piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, burn my butt a little bit, but also it's very true to his character. Yes. So I will allow it. I love it. It takes him more time to put that sign, <laughs> to hang the handicap <laughs> sign in his to, car. To walk the extra five feet. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it's it's less convenient too, right? He's rummaging around in the glove box, <laughs> leaning over seats and... <laughs> Yeah, just get out of your car and walk an extra two feet. But no, no, it's faster. Ugh. It's, be- it's better. It's not that it's faster. It's it's better. And he's selfish. So Very selfish at this point. Yeah. You saw Goodman, man. Uh, that line, by the way, the line before he actually officially starts his morning. Let justice be done, though the heavens fall. Mm-hmm. You know where that's from. I don't have to tell you. Maybe I do have to tell you. Oh, I can't remember... That is what Chuck says right before the last trial oh, in Chicanery. Nice. Yeah. Right before that Chicanery starts. Wow, he's starts. holding on to all those mementos, huh? Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> all saying. All those like he, Yeah, and he's turning them into like, yeah, it's almost like he's trying to twist them to work for him. Can and I be honest? Pain. Yeah. I forgot chuck existed at this point i've been so wrapped up in kim and jimmy for so long now yeah i kind of didn't remember chuck was a thing the first 
half of the show and the second half of the show feel very different. And that mm-hmm. difference is Chuck McGill. That's it. Yep. It's a very different show after he dies. You are right. I appreciate. Uh, and one more, one more thing I will say. We mentioned last episode that we wanted to see not just the moment that Jimmy McGill becomes Saul Goodman, but also the moment that Francesca becomes the Francesca that we know mm-hmm. and, if not love, then at least respect. Mm-hmm. We we see we see that here. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. This is her face, her poor face. And I love the, the juxtaposition of you know how it starts with mm-hmm. Francesca, like you know, kind of kind of wide eyed looking like. Uh, that's all Goodman and Associates and thinking, all right, yeah. all right, that's a decent professional looking logo. Right. And then her at the end, just being over everything. And there is no longer, that sign doesn't exist anymore. It's, oh, just, no. it's, the, it's the inflatable Statue of Liberty. And the Better Call Saul with the arrow. Yep, yeah, it's, it is. It's what we know of from Breaking Bad. Yep. <sighs> Disheartening. <laughs> Disheartening. <laughs> I mean, we all, it's not like we didn't know that there would be a lot of tragic things toward the tail end of this part mm-hmm. of the story, but actually seeing them on screen, that was very, that was very affecting. It was a bummer of an episode. <laughs> yeah. Great episode, but definitely a bummer. Um, do you think there's going to be any redemption or happy ending um, in coming episodes for Jimmy, Saul, Gene? Um, I, I know. This episode ends with like a teaser mm-hmm. for the mall. It does, yeah. Uh, it's all black and white. It's in the mall and Jimmy's like selling something. I, I don't know what he's doing. He's talking about one for the he's Wonder Years, two for the- over the PA system like he does. Yeah. yeah. Is is he going to find any kind of either happiness or redemption at the end of this story? If there's one thing I do for sure- know and believe that he is going to find that is closure there's going to be some kind of closure now what that looks like and what what part of his crazy life that closure is going to Mm -hmm. apply to i'm not really sure but there's going to be there has to be i mean that's just how stories work there has to be some form of closure yeah they didn't break him bad and it wasn't happy it was just closure um Yeah, it feels like if there is going to be closure, and I think you're right. That's like the best way to describe it is closure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably got to be the Kim angle. I feel like Kim is the the primary story that they're telling. It's it's Kim, and and she essentially turns him into who he is. I, I feel like yeah, yeah. They're they're the way they play off of each other. This entire series, there has to be something with her involving her. If we're going to actually get some closure there. Yeah, I, I do think it would be a little bit of a shame for us to go this far with her, with them together, and then to have those final gene scenes where, I mean, that's how stories work. There has to be some closure on his life as Saul Goodman, mm-hmm. and for that closure to not include Kim in some way, that would be a shame. Yeah, it wouldn't. it wouldn't really feel like closure. Yeah, there would still be there'd be a dangling Kim. Yeah, and I think it, a lot of it could come in the form of like the phone call if she's the one on the phone that yeah. Francesca's gonna answer the phone for, and then maybe you know he gets a a call from her in the gene years or something. Maybe they've mm-hmm. always had this phone call going once a year or something. Um, 
Uh, those are ideas that are floating around out there. Yeah. I think they're pretty good ones. But I will say there were a lot of ideas floating around about what would happen to Kim, and none of them were even close to right as far as I could tell. Yeah. The closest least. you can say that they were is like Kim will leave. Yeah. But not for the reason she did. <laughs> yeah. And not in the way that she did. Yeah. So quitting, quitting the law. I fully expect it to pay off. I think like if these writers have earned, haven't earned my trust by now, I don't know whatever would like they're so good at telling these stories Mm -hmm. in compelling ways. Um, I I fully trust whatever they want to do with the last four episodes here. Um, I'm just trying to figure out like where could they go? What would be satisfying to me? And then I expect them to, to, see me and raise me you know all in definitely oh, <laughs> yeah that's what they've been doing this whole series yeah yeah they're gonna give you a little bit of what you expected but then also turn it on it turn it on its fucking ear somehow yeah and then maybe recontextualize everything you know about yeah everything that happened in breaking bad too right like they just did in this episode yeah absolutely so we'll see we will see that's it all right. Well, I think it's time to get to a little bit of feedback here. Um, Do it. Apologize if I couldn't get to everyone, but I'm doing my best here. Uh, we start off with Norm, who says, Hey, all, wow, that Kim and Cheryl scene. Mm-hmm. While Jimmy struggled telling the scripted story, Kim went next level diabolical with her made-up story Howard... Uh, made-up story Howard drug story. <laughs> uh, right there. I knew Kim was right when she told Jimmy they were bad for each other. It's bad enough they got the guy killed, but she felt she had to break the last person who believed Howard's innocence. All of this came across unexpected, but logical. I had trepidation about Kim's turn, but now buy a lot more. Uh, And despite long meandering parts, uh, Gus's long wine tasting (laughs) and Mike trying to make himself feel better by talking to Nacho's dad. It was a thoroughly enjoyable episode. I'll be sorry to see this show, I assume, go and waiting for them to stick the landing. Agreed. Yeah, us too. Yeah, I agree 100%. I I absolutely think they will stick the landing, but we'll see. (laughs) Uh, Dan writes in, says, Hi, I spent several seasons wishing for Jimmy to become Saul and was utterly depressed when it finally happened. (laughs) You and me both, brother. I mean, you you think back to the beginning of this show and you're like, oh boy, we're going to get to see so much Saul Goodman. Uh He's going to be up to antics constantly. He's going to be scheming. He's going to be lying to folks. It's going to be so much fun. There will be no trauma. People. <laughs> yeah. And now, boy, just ash in your mouth, huh? Ugh, yeah. No shit. Um, he says, it's not an act or persona like he initially portrays. Chuck said he should give up trying to be good. And he's finally done that in this episode. The last two episodes have been some of the best TV I've. And the email just kind of cuts there ever seen in my life. I've some of the best TV I've heard about because I didn't actually watch the episode, I think is what Dan was going to say. Some of the best TV I've heard from the other room while I was making dinner. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Some of the best TV I've ever been allowed to watch by my parents. Oh, (laughs) I've ever been allowed to watch by my legally appointed guardian. Oh, no yeah. No explanation required there. That I've ever been let out of my padded room to watch. <laughs> that, I've ever had, that I've ever had my eyeballs forcefully held open while a screen played in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That I've ever been clockwork orange into. 
Uh, boy, I feel bad doing that to Dan. Sorry, I must have cut off your email. Um, yeah, ever seen is probably what he's going to say. Um, Eric says, um, several months ago, I wrote in letting you know Lyle was still hard at work at the ABQ Poyos because you had been referring to that Poyos as having been burnt down. Yeah, right. When in fact, it was the Las Lunas one mm-hmm. that burnt. Uh, easy mistake. Well, I've had some time to think and... Fuck Lyle. He is a cuck, Jim. Agreed. That's all for now. I had to I had to read that one. I'm sorry. Of course you did. It seems like a lot of people enjoyed that. Uh, somebody mentioned <laughs> mentioned it on Twitter too. Good. I had fun. That was just spur of the moment. I had no idea. I didn't have any notes for that. It was just Your feelings. Your feelings broke uh, through that robot exterior. Apparently. <laughs> All right. Anil writes in and says, I've been wondering about that wine seeing a uh, wine scene from this past episode of Better Call Saul. Could Gus choosing to end his night early in the scene indicate his desire for a stone cold and lonely future as opposed to letting someone else in after his previous partner was so tragically murdered? Yes, Anil, I think you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. Um, that That is a conscious choice that he makes in that scene, in that moment. And it's a, it's a gracious one, right? Because mm-hmm. like, kind you don't want this guy getting mixed up in this it's the choice that jimmy should have made with kim yeah like i don't want to mix her up in this she's too good for this right but he makes that choice anyway but yeah i guess guess makes the right choice there there's a lot of good facial acting while he's doing it too i don't know if he mentioned that but the just the 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 facial expressions in this episode on point perfect he He's not known for his facial expressions, Gus. <laughs> uh, Does a lot with his eyes. The the intensity yes. of his gaze. Yeah. And I don't know how it comes through on the camera because I don't ever see him move. <laughs> and yet I feel the intensity change. Yeah. I don't know how he conveys that, but he's a very, very good actor. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, Anil also says, I had maybe a better take from episode eight that I didn't get to share with you guys last week. I believe that a lot can be inferred from how the bodies of Lalo and Howard are positioned in their grave in the super lab. First, it wasn't lost on me that it almost appears as if there's a yin and yang dynamic with Lalo's black pants and Howard's white shirt, Mm -hmm. signifying how different these two characters are. Uh, Lalo is a very charismatic person who seemingly has no worries, even though he leaves nothing but a destruction in his path. Howard, on the other hand, is someone who is, by all accounts, a good person, but someone who carries the weight of the world on his shoulders. Mm Mm-hmm. In this sense, they are opposites, and the yin and yang dynamic is fitting. Also, if you look closer, Howard almost appears to be in a boxing stance with his fist clenched. Maybe a throwback to the boxing scene with Saul. Anyway, just a few observations. Yeah, I like that yin and yang idea. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and that I don't know which one is yin and which one is yang, but that yin would take out yang feels extra cruel because they're supposed to be in balance right Mm -hmm. and i don't think howard had anything to do with lalo dying sure didn't all right Corey writes in and says a few thoughts jimmy and kim said i love you the first and last time in this episode yeah is that true has jimmy never said that that has kim never said that they've never said it what Mm -hmm. wow yeah tragic right yeah uh, he continues, this is true for the show and I believe for their canonical relationship as well. These two have never really verbally communicated their feelings in any honest way. 
So much of the relationship leave, lives in silence and unspoken understandings. They communicate through subtext, which makes for glorious character-driven prestige TV, but bad relationships. <laughs> Truth. They ultimately couldn't be honest with each other because they know that they enable each other's worst impulses, but they don't want to admit it. Mm-hmm. Jimmy put a knife in my heart when he pathetically admitted, I love you, in the most desperate attempt to save things. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of sad that that's the moment he chooses to say mm-hmm. it, right? Yep. Uh, almost as if like trying to guilt her into doing what he wants in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kip- oh boy, you can't write Kimmy. <laughs> you can't write that word. You're just going to confuse me. Whatever. She's never coming back. I'll never have to say her name again. Uh, Kim twisted the knife when she said it doesn't matter. Uh, I never expected Better Call Saul to be a sincere and tragic love story, but here I am in 2022 crying over Saul Goodman getting his heart broken. Yeah, man. It's beautiful stuff. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, that's the thing. I I, like that scene for for as big of a buffoon as, you know, Saul Goodman is. There's there's so much Jimmy in this and Jimmy's a sympathetic character. Mm hmm. There's so much Kim in this, and she's a sympathetic character. It's like, yeah, the the thing I said about like where we thought we were gonna go with this series when we first started, and how silly and fun it was gonna be, <laughs> and where we end up is just night and day. It really is. Uh, Corey continues. Also, shout out to Ed Bigley Jr. for his understated but important role as Cliff. His reactions are incredible. He had this specific expression of shock, horror, embarrassment, concern, confusion, and curiosity that feels so real but adds so much needed brevity to this comedy drama. I swear, I've seen this man's soul leave his body at least three times in the show. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh-huh. that's true. You can see it in the eyes when it happens. Absolutely. He's great. Uh, and his comedic timing is is second to none, maybe only to Bob Odenkirk. Agreed. All right. Jason writes in, um, says, love your show. I was just getting ready to watch this week's new episode and realized we might have the series in spoiled for us right in plain sight. Mm. Are you ready for promo graphic spoilers? Graphic promo spoilers? Uh, sure. How graphic we talking? I don't know. I haven't read it. Oh. <laughs> yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> I, was, I was making a little jokey joke, but go it's on. It's Saul in the shower, with, but he's covered in Bluetooth headsets. Oh. He's got a Bluetooth headset between his legs covering the naughty bits. Yeah, and and also on every surface of his body except for his ass cheeks. Yes. 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 Uh, us, it, it's uh, the chaps made of Bluetooth headsets. That's what he's wearing. Thank you for not saying assless chaps because all chaps are yes, assless. I know. <laughs> all right. Uh, in the promo graphic AMC is using for this season, we see Bob Odenkirk looking like Gene. He has a mustache and glasses, and he is in black and white, just like those scenes are shot. In the image, Gene is pulling on what appears to be a bright red blazer. Mm-hmm. Based on this image, my theory is that the show will end with Gene deciding to try to take back his former fortune and glory and jumping back in the game. Oh, boy. Now, that would this... be an interesting angle. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something we've definitely talked about, right? Um, yeah. Like, he's, he's clearly got his his hackles raised over whatever's happened with this Jeff dude mm-hmm. from Albuquerque if if that's in fact his real name uh and he's gonna he's gonna go do something we just don't know what it is is it gonna be a return to Saul glory yeah is it gonna be going to the cops I seriously doubt it but no 
I don't yeah. think so. It'll be No, I mean I I think we saw him say I don't remember what, exactly what the context of this was, but he said I will take care of it myself. Yes. At some point. Right. And I think it's, that's what he's going to do. And he's going to do it in one the of the many ways. How. Yeah, one of the ways that he knows how and most of them are shady. So. Yeah. Absolutely. A uh, big old Chicago sunroof right through his <laughs> taxi. Sure. Uh, <laughs> that'll do it. Uh, he continues here. Now, will this be the last scene of the series or will it happen sooner and we see more of that adventure? Not sure, but I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts. Uh, I think we we have to get there. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we're there yet with, with Gene. We got to get, if we're going to get to closure, we got to get more time with gene it can't just be one more scene at the beginning or end of an episode no i think you're right it has to be it i think it will be at least one episode of full gene if not more at least one i would say yeah Yeah. i'm kind of expecting two now now that i know we have four episodes left and kind of all business is settled exactly so many things have been wrapped up last couple episodes it could even be more it could be three episodes i don't don't want to get anybody's (laughs) expectations raised but like yeah yeah, there, there has to be more, right? Because we don't know who Jeff is. Like, mm-hmm. one more scene of this is not going to get it done. Um, so, yeah, that's my thoughts. Mine too. All right, Doug L., resident uh, lawyer at Bald Move here, says, Hey, Jim and Alexis. Howdy. I think he's the only one to not spell your name Alexa this week. I swear there's some <laughs> cor- just some type, some some typo stuff happening. Stuff yeah. happening, yeah. That's fine. It's... As long as you get the first, like, four letters right, I'll answer to pretty much sure. anything. Uh, Doug L. says, This week featured Kim making a motion to withdraw as counsel. Usually these motions occur when the attorney-client relationship has irrevocably broken down. Sounds like it probably has here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this sometimes happens because the two aren't getting along, because the client will not or cannot pay their legal bills, or because the client wants the lawyer to employ a strategy the lawyer believes is not justified under the law, or it's perhaps just foolhardy. The real issue for Kim here is that she's dropping this motion with no notice on the eve of the trial. The judge could have denied the motion on that basis, but I will say, in my experience, most judges would begrudgingly grant it and continue trial simply to avoid the problems that might arise from forcing an unwilling lawyer or client to forge ahead with each other. Mm-hmm. In this instance, uh, Judge Murderer Guy from Minority Report, whose name <laughs> I forget. <laughs> <laughs> would have to grant it since Kim cannot practice law without a license, but that could bring consequences of its own. I have never heard of an attorney simply surrendering their law license, but assuming that is possible, Kim would still owe an ethical duty to wind down her representation in a way that did not disrupt cases and prejudice clients. Yeah. To the extent leaving her clients in lurch caused harm, that could be the basis for a malpractice action. For dramatic reasons, uh, it seems clear the show is letting Kim make a clean break from her career, but in real life, it would be a little hard to slam on the brakes quite this fast. Anyway, I hope all is well with you. As always, if you have questions on a particular topic before recording, I'm happy to look into it. Yeah, that's uh, that's valuable mm-hmm. information. I think, yes, you're they're absolutely right. They're taking dramatic liberties here. Yeah. Because, I mean, how dramatic is it for her to say, because I'm no longer an attorney? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's about as dramatic, it's about as dramatic a statement as, as you can make as an attorney, right? Yeah. I mean, she did She did make efforts, though, to pass the case on to someone else. She didn't just completely mm-hmm. quit cold turkey on it. Yeah, I think it's the sudden nature of it, right? If she had said, okay, this will be my last 
uh, hearing. Yeah. And and then I will pass this client on to Paige. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been far more accepted, both you know by Doug and the the judge here. But like, right. yeah, she just did this, and, and and I think she did it for good reasons. Like I said, I think Jimmy might have tried to talk her out of it. She mm-hmm. might have been susceptible to that. Yeah, she just needs to make a clean break for herself here. I mean, if we've got you know attorneys saying. Hey, I don't know if this is legal. I've never heard of this happening. Uh, then I certainly don't know. Oh, but. yeah. I don't know either. I don't know either. It does seem like a dramatic license, like you said. Yeah. But. Just fine. It was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. It was shocking. Absolutely. All right. Rinaldi writes in and says, Kim telling the judge I'm not a lawyer. Biggest shock of the episode. The subsequent conversation between her and Jimmy, even more surprising and heartbreaking. Kim tells Jimmy that the reason for her actions this season was because it was fun, struck a chord in me. It reminded me of Walter telling Skylar he built a meth empire because he liked it. Yep. Not to help the family in Breaking Bad. Jim, I know you've been very critical of Kim's decision making this season. I wonder if Kim's decision to leave the legal profession, admit the truth to Jimmy, and leave him sits right right with you. Alexis, I'm sorry for your loss. I know Kim was your hero. (laughs) At least she didn't die. There's that. Yeah, there's that. Uh, I wonder what expectations you guys have for the Gene storyline. Okay, we talked yeah. a little bit about that. But yeah, um, as far as Kim's justification here, yeah, I I bought it, hook, line, and sinker. I, I think it, for me, it does more than just like what it was doing in the plot of the show. I had this like personal crisis where I didn't understand Kim. Mm. And this put it all into perfect focus for me, which I didn't think they could do at this point. I thought it was so far in the past, like, that moment is gone. I just will never understand that decision. There's nothing they can do to fix that. Mm-hmm. And then here comes this episode and I'm like, oh, she just loves it. She just loves it. Like that was part of her all along. Yeah. And I knew that, but I like, I saw that as going too far. <laughs> but then she goes even farther, right? She keeps going farther and farther and farther. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and started, it just made perfect sense in that moment. It did. And like you said before, uh, very similar to Walt and he he does have that moment in Breaking Bad as well where he's speaking to Skylar after they're divorced she's living somewhere else everything's fallen apart between them he's on the run and he tells her which you could you could kind of guess his motivation throughout the show because he keeps oh, saying that yeah. it's for the family but then he keeps <laughs> making these decisions to get back in when he could have gotten out and it's like why yeah. and then he finally reveals that why and it's just that he was having fun basically that there's a strong parallel there yeah just when i thought i was out <laughs> i pulled me back in. i pulled me back in <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah i we were talking about this on on pete's stream uh last night how i brought up how the motivations in breaking bad are much less complex like the this story is a more complex story in I my opinion so. like yeah. walter white's journey even if they didn't tell you it was Mr. Chips to Scarface, like mm-hmm. before the show even aired, you can see it. It's it's all just pride. Yeah. This guy wants to be powerful and important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he's he's trying to hide it all under the family stuff, like you said. But this is really complex. This is like dueling uh, desires in characters and, yeah. and different desires in different characters and like all of that coming together. And I think it's partially more complex because there are two like true leads. It's it's kind of a shame what they did to Jesse at the end of Breaking Bad. Like 
he just got sidelined completely. He really did. And I would have loved to see more of like a Walt Jesse, like trying to figure out the end of Breaking Bad dynamic. Yeah. I still love what they did. I think it's mm-hmm. great. But like this show is more complex because of the interactions between the two lead protagonists. Yeah, absolutely. And and they're more conflicted internally too. It's, I don't know. I don't, I still think Breaking Bad is my favorite show. Um, but I can see an argument for this being a better show. The characters are at, deeper, at least. Mm-hmm. You can say they, they feel a little more real at times. Yeah. And you, you could just chalk that up to writers getting more experience over time. Oh, totally. Yeah. They, they keep a lot of their writers around and keep yeah. doing stuff with them. So absolutely, they're more experienced now. Good. Uh, Harry writes in, says, I love last night's episode. I feel like this was the final nail in the coffin for Jimmy McGill. He's gone full Saul. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, my official prediction is that in one of the next four episodes, we're going to see a culmination of Slippin' Jimmy and Saul Goodman come together to take down the taxi driver. That, that's a Jeff guy that yeah. I was talking about. Uh, with Gene's life and reputation on the line, he will seek out his old friend Kim Wexler and try to convince her to pull off one more scam. Either that or she's happily married and I'm all wrong. <laughs> Either way, I'm excited to watch these last few episodes and hear what you guys have to say about it. Me too. Yeah. Should be interesting. I don't see... I will say this. Don't see Kim being happily married to anybody. No. No. <laughs> hmm. I don't I don't know. It's a lot to get past. It's a lot to hand wave away in your own life. It's a lot of guilt to have to try to live with. I don't know that you could have that many successful relationships with that much conflict in your heart. And five years is not like, like if you say, okay, it's been a year since, you know, the, the, since they broke up to when we see Saul Mm -hmm. and it's three years to breaking bad. And then another year to the end of that. Uh, I don't know how long Gene's been living as Gene. There's not a great indication of that, is there? No, there's like a notable lack of hair. But true, so maybe but, it's been like a but decade. But once the hair starts going, like I know it goes pretty fast. So, <laughs> all right, it's probably tearing a lot out too. Yeah, and he already didn't cinnabons. have a lot of hair in uh, <laughs> year one of Saul Goodman mm-hmm. at the end of this episode. True, so yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We will see. I, I That's for have sure. no great predictions. All right, Reginald writes in and says, even if a great singer doesn't hit all the high notes of the Star Spangled Banner. The performance can still be considered good. And the same is true for Kim in Fun and Games. Kim does a fine job overall in her closing speech to Jimmy, but there was one point she made that seemed a bit off key. And it was at the very end when she said that she was having too much fun to stop when it came to their shenanigans in relation to Howard. Sure, she does have fun partnering up with Jimmy and scamming slime balls like Ken wins or helping decent people like Hewell stay out of prison. The takedown of Howard was more than just fun, though this was personal. This was revenge. Well, I'm sure she didn't want to kill Howard. The vengeful blaze against him burned as hot inside her as the fire inside Gus toward the cartel. Mm -hmm. Her motivation? Maybe it was because she felt Howard had hurt Jimmy, or maybe she wanted Howard to pay for being condescending to her. Whatever the genesis of the plot was, this was not a game for her. Kim didn't want to stop the schemes against Howard because this was indeed blood for blood, not just fun. Still a good performance and episode all around. What do you think? Uh, I didn't consider that, that there was a bit of the blood for blood stuff in there um howard i never feel like howard had done something so egregious to someone to deserve even half of what he got even the bowling balls oh it was excessive yeah 
Just because yeah. somebody's a little bit of a dick sometimes, it doesn't mean it's worth that much property damage. I mean, the closest thing he did is indirectly lead to Chuck's death. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but Chuck was the one that did that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, Ch- like, most of you, what happened to Chuck was Chuck. Yeah, Chuck douche. drove yeah. Chuck to suicide. Like he, yeah, just was an asshole and self-righteous and mentally ill extremely proud uh unwilling to admit his own faults um unwilling to believe anybody else over himself what did what did howard really do i yeah like yeah he was mean to jimmy a couple times but he also tried to help jimmy a bunch and jimmy shit all over him Mm -hmm. um he tried to be the good guy he really did i didn't feel like he deserved any of what he got no no. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I could definitely see, though, that Kim might contextualize it that way mm-hmm. and want a little bit of, yeah, blood for blood. They got like Howard better than they like Hank. You like Howard better than you like Hank. Yeah. Hank from Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you know. But <laughs> just in case somebody else doesn't yeah. know. <laughs> you know. You know, the, the DEA brother-in-law. Wait. <laughs> Walt had a brother-in-law? <laughs> and he was DEA? What the fuck? <laughs> that seems complicated. Oh. oh, was his brother-in-law that DEA guy? Yeah. They were the same person? Yeah, not the not the <laughs> not the Mexican one, the the Mexican American one, the, oh, the other one, the chunky white one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh no, I think it's kind of I feel like he gets better as the show goes on, but at least in the mm. beginning of Breaking Bad, he is a douchebag. Oh, totally. Yeah. And kind of racist. No, he needs to be knocked down a few pegs before yeah. he's a very sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. All right. Scott says, just checking in after what sure looks to be the last of the prequel episodes. Uh, no, you probably have a lot of feedback. So just want to make two quickish points. First, couldn't sleep last night for unrelated reasons. You and me both. I'm very <laughs> tired. So I was a pruder that last scene against the scene where Walt goes to see Saul as Badger's uncle. <laughs> oh boy, it's definitely not the same day that we see at the end of Better Call Saul 609. Saul is wearing a different outfit. Also, we see in Better Call Saul the wall by the the door to Francesca's office where Walt was sitting, including the guy she tells to move, and no one is there wearing Walt's outfit. Okay, so not the same day. I think, yeah, the on, on Pete's stream last night we were talking about like mm. the outfit that he was wearing, and it was not the same. Gotcha. Um, second, I really like the cold open, but they went overboard with Kim's day. Uh, we're to believe she has a hearing in one case with the one guy. Then she has a full jury trial with the woman where she clearly beats at least a battery charge on probably self-defense with the picture of the woman who was beaten badly. That's a long trial, at least a week with experts and everything else. Hmm. Jury selection alone would take more than a day. You have to weed out people with experiences with or opinions about what appears to be domestic violence that would impact them. And sadly, that's not a small number. Also, if Kim had that case the next day, she wouldn't have been driving to Santa Fe for a meeting the day before, and she's definitely not curled up on the couch the night before with a glass of wine watching a movie with her husband. (laughs) She'd be pouring over testimony and exhibits, preparing for jury selection, her opening, her crosses of the state's witnesses, her own witnesses, and her closings, which all apparently happened in a single day. She'd be busier preparing than she was getting ready for that land thing that led to her car crash in season three. It was a great opening, don't get me wrong. The cutting between Mike, Jimmy, and Kim was so masterful. I wondered if Kelly Dixon had an uncredited role. Uh, no, but Skip McDonald hmm. did. He, he's the editor on this. Uh, also, very good. 
Uh, but they could have dialed it back a bit on Kim. I audibly groaned when I saw the jury. <laughs> anyway, I assume we'll get uh, a quick flash through Breaking Bad with the promised Walt Jesse cameo and then find out what happened to Gene and Kim. Um, thanks for your great job breaking this down. Yeah, praise. We like it. Thanks. Yeah, uh, all right. I'll take it. And he says, of course, this is not legal advice. Got to say it. He's uh, one of our resident lawyers here. So I figured. Yeah. I assumed or I'd hoped. <laughs> yeah i mean when somebody is uh watching shows thinking about that it's the same way i watch shows about technology oh sure and like programming specifically and go well that wouldn't be right because the you know he's got to push that code to to the you know that that's all happening in staging that's not even going live that's who cares about that yeah right instead of thinking about the drama that's sound unfolding. like anything to me uh and then mike writes in says six years ago i tuned in the first episode of better call saul not sure what to expect part of me thought maybe this will be some kind of courtroom procedural only instead of stoic lawyer arguments lawyers arguing legitimate cases each week would be a new crazy case argued by saul goodman swooping in with his white cadillac like a swashbuckler on a chandelier (laughs) or part of me thought maybe this show will run contemporaneously with breaking bad since there were a number of episodes in breaking bad even after bob odenkirk was made a series regular where Saul failed to appear at all. Maybe mm-hmm. the show would fill in the holes there. Hmm. What we got was something completely different and, dare I say, perfect. I can't think of a single choice narratively that I would have done differently, right down to this week's epic breakup. Kim's yeah. years of addiction to Jimmy are finally laid bare and she finally comes to terms with it all. And the ending of this week's episode, perfection. I'd argue that the series Better Call Saul already had its series finale at about the 45-minute mark this week. The remaining episodes... Those are part of Breaking Bad Season 2B. It's perfectly clear that Saul is wearing the exact same clothes. Um, and yeah, as Saul in Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, is on his way to meet Badger in the lockup. Oh, I think we, uh, yeah, I think we debunked that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely around that time period. Um, finally, Kim, I never thought death was an appropriate punishment for her. And it's clear neither did the writers. I still hold out hope that after blowing up her career, she makes her way home to Nebraska, setting up the final showdown between her and our pal Gene somehow. Thoughts, comments, questions, concerns? Is there any chance that she's living in the same city? That would be pretty interesting, although it would kind of put a hole in your idea that they maybe have like once a year contact or something, because surely he would know that she was in Nebraska. He was just so surprised and breaking bad whenever the vacuum repairman chosen nebraska he's like nebraska what's in nebraska true yeah true yeah he probably doesn't know where kim went or maybe he was faking it when he said maybe we can wreck on that (laughs) maybe we'll see uh and our final email is josh h Uh, i thought for sure walt was going to come through the door at the end of this episode or possibly (laughs) that they were setting it up for the opening of next but the suit shirt and tie saul is wearing is different like we said uh, also, as others have pointed out, Saul's license plate is a 2005 tag, mm-hmm. and Saul doesn't meet Walt until 2008. However, as Saul is preparing for his day, he mentions a new public masturbator, <laughs> which is a perfect description of what he thought he was representing when he first meets Badger in Breaking Bad. And as Saul walks through his lobby, you can hear someone coughing that sounds so much like Walt, I could be convinced it was a recording for Brian Cranston. I kind of feel like Ghoul and company didn't play it straight on this one, but I'm too excited about what's to come to really care. Uh, here's the interesting fact. Also, the uh, the expiration date 
of Saul's handicapped parking placard is November 11th, 2008. Hmm. I can't for the life of me find anything significant on that. Is it, is it possible that his tags are out of date and that it's not 2005, it's actually 2008? That would be an interesting bit of like hand wavery on the part of the writers. Right. Or just a straight up mistake. I, it was something so three prominent years, though. Three years though. Yeah. Three years. Uh, a tag that is expired by three years. Like <laughs> he would have. And he's so conspicuous. You can get your right? license taken for that stuff. I don't think he would want his license taken. I mean, I, I could see him being any, a scofflaw because anyway. he just thinks, well, I'll, I'll hand wave it away. Like I'll cause a scene and it'll just go away. Sure. Or, but like he's so conspicuous. Yeah. He's driving around in an all-white Cadillac. He's got this lawyer-up plate. That's what I mean. Like I would, I would, would hope notice. that he would at least cover his tracks yeah. in that way. So it's probably a few years before uh, the Badger stuff and the Walt stuff. But I know uh, from what I hear, it's possible they're coming back next episode. So Wow. I don't know if there's another flash forward or what, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's it for the episode. Uh, we will, of course, be back next week. If you'd like to send in some feedback for us to consider then, do so at bcs at baldmove.com. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. See ya. Bye.